Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. I'm Bradley and I'm once again joined by Stu. Hey up. We are week three now of lockdown, so hopefully plenty of games been playing. But how are we doing anyway, Stu? I'm not too bad. Ups and downs. Today I'm feeling pretty good. The sunshine on a frequent basis always helps because if it was typical British weather, things would be a lot worse. But as it is, not too bad. So as soon as lockdown ends, it's going to start pissing down, basically. Absolutely. They're on the on the dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be literally announced, right, you can all go outside. Oh, no, I think we'll stay in. <laughs> yep. Get that scrabble ready. Yeah, I've had the, probably the first day since it's all started where I've been, um, I've had a lazy, really lazy morning. Um, I don't know what happens at the time, uh, but a partner was in all over Easter weekend. She, she was on call, so didn't actually have to go out for work. So she was out. She was here, sorry. So we've done a few little family bits in the house, went on a couple of family walks, got the shopping as we needed to do. But today was like she's gone back to work. So she would have left at about half six, seven in the morning, 10 o'clock. I think I woke. And it's the first time I've had one of those proper lazy student esque mornings. The kids both slept in. I slept in. I kind of woke up and went, oh, bloody hell, I've got another podcast to record now. I better get up. <laughs> but I'm impressed. It's the first time I've had a morning like that since it's all started. I, I thought that I'd be having a few more of those. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's that. That's cool. Which means I had to rush around playing Animal Crossing this morning to get my chores done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is the reason why I haven't bought it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. it's meant to be relaxing, but I'm going, oh no, I've got to get up. I've got to get stuff done before 12 so I can check the turnip prices in the morning. They crash. They're not good. <laughs> It's um, just it, a very, very complicated Tamagotchi, isn't it? Essentially what it is, yeah. But it's <laughs> it's it's meant to be stress relieving, but it's it is there is stress, but it's still fun. And yeah, I can still ignore what's going on outside, so there's always that bonus. Definitely. But what have you been playing, Stu? Uh so a few things. I've been playing Flashback, 25th anniversary edition, mm-hmm. and Astral Chain on top of uh Half-Life Alex. So Flashback will be reviewed for the site. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, the review's probably up. And if you've not come across Flashback before, then I don't know if you've played games because it's one of those that just really leapt out at the time and then continued to leap out in rotoscope style years and years afterwards, really. It's similar in terms of play to the very original Prince of Persia, which got a release on, like, practically every computer format and then there was a beautiful SNES version that I highly recommend you picking up. I don't know if it's on the Switch eShop, but if it is, just grab it. Mm. And I really want to replay that. But there you go. So flashback itself, similar style of place. It's rotoscoped animation, which is a form of motion capture. And it's like if you remember the very first Tomb Raider, in that you had to when you committed to an action, so you pressed in a direction or whatever. Lara would run a set number of steps based on a grid and you couldn't interrupt those. And it's like that, but in 2D. So basically it's not free movement like you'd get with Mario or any other platformer. It's captured movement. So you have to plan in advance what you're doing and you have to become very good at it because things even like drawing your gun or doing a little jump, they all have these set, you know, set frames. They take time. And you can be interrupted by being attacked or falling into traps and the like. And it's a sci-fi 
series. Well, not series, really, but a sci-fi set one. It should have been. It should have been a series. Definitely. And um, what that means is you've got lots of cyborgs to fight, cops with jetpacks, and loads of dodgy alien, morphing aliens, and yeah, loads of little robot enemies. And it's just unusual, very stylized, very difficult to get into, but ultimately quite short. So it's it's a game that you, you can't really help but recommend to everyone to at least try. And you might end up hating it, but you'll come away from it going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see what they were doing there. And you'll either like that or you won't, but it's one of those that everyone really should have a go on. It's the first game I think I played where my jaw hit the floor the first time I saw it in motion. I don't think, I mean, yes, there was Prince of Persia and stuff, but I, for me, the setting, it at the time it was super realistic and like settings and stuff like that. It was like the artwork on there was brilliant and the, the smoothness of the animation, it just blew me away. And I just, I, I kind of looked at it and I was just like, oh my God, it's like playing a sci-fi movie. Now, obviously, in hindsight, you look back and you just go, it is fairly basic looking. And the gameplay doesn't perfectly hold up today. You could see how they could improve a lot of quality of life improvements for a start. And if it was to be remade properly, what could be done to improve it? However, every time I see that opening screen, that opening level, the first time you get control, wow. That still looks impressive. Yeah. It still feels impressive. That transition as he drops down and then you first get up and you first take that movement. Yeah. It's so smooth and it's outstanding. And yeah, it's one of those games I think everyone should play to see. When you look at cinematic games now, you look at the framing of camera angles and those smooth transitions mm. from cutscene into game. That's what they tried to do back then. And yeah, it, I was a, the modern games owe a lot to that. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that still stands up is if you like, if you go back and watch like Snow White, which was the 30s, 1930s, mm. you're you're still amazed by that the way that they replicated human movement by studying people and then uh, generating it in you know animated form. And that still holds up with the rotoscoping. So that's lovely. And it's kind of like Dragon's Lair as well in that. The, the game part of it may be a little antiquated or unusual or whatever, but the, the sheer fact that you're navigating this perfectly animated creature is uh, is quite fascinating, really. And yeah, to go back to what you said about quality of life, the this port, this uh, anniversary edition, the biggest feature it's introduced is a rewind. So depending on depending on the difficulty level you choose, you're given a certain amount of time. Uh, on a counter and you can rewind in real time if you die and just redo that section and you would think that that just made it really simple but it doesn't because a you've only got a limited amount you can use and b the scenario you're in could be really really tricky and not necessarily easy to get out of even if you do a little bit of rewinding but it helps so much because the biggest criticism I think you could ever level at the game is that the, the save points are ridiculous. They're miles apart and, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you can't save anywhere. And, yeah, it, that was a massive blocker for modern audiences. So uh, overcomes that. Yeah, uh, back then you only had maybe one or two other games that you had in your collection, let yeah. alone on the go. So you didn't mind <laughs> going through it again. But, yeah, today, yeah, that put a lot of people off. So, yeah, but, no, there's, there, there's that. 
I've been playing New Super Lucky's Tale, and yeah, wow, that's a game. First heard about that when it was a VR exclusive, and people were like, yeah, it's all right. I suppose it shows what you can do. Then it got released on the Xbox as a timed console exclusive, I suppose it was, and people kind of went, eh. So I kind of got put off by it. And then I heard about, obviously, New Super Lucky's Tale coming to the Switch. I played it a bit on the Xbox, and it wasn't great, in all fairness. So I'm playing it on the Switch, because my son really wanted to play it as well. And, wow. It um, takes almost the essence of a good Mario game, realises what makes a good Mario game, and then does its own thing with it. The controls are really tight. The level design is considered and it's it's designed around making it a fun experience to play lucky i think is a lovely character he's got such personality and it's almost as though if someone had said to you if you put mario in that and said this is a first prototype version of super mario odyssey but this is how we improve and then showed you odyssey as the improvement on that that's where super new super lucky's tale is it's almost like a prototype version of Mario Odyssey. So it's not as good as what that is, but damn, it is still a fine game. Does it have the, is it, sorry, is it the same, is it the same game as the VR release? No. Oh, I see. I can't can't 100% say because it's, it's almost like a reimagining. It's not officially Mm. a sequel. Um, So I think in the setting that the idea is the same, but obviously they've dialed back the VR nature of it and they've kind of changed how it plays. But yeah, I, I sort of instinctively got it. And sometimes when you play a new platformer, you go with a bit of trepidation and you're like, you're trying to feel your way around it. This, I turned it on and I just felt, okay, just go, just go. And the level designs are done in such a way that it kind of guides you a little bit to where you should be going or where you want to go, but encourages exploration within these fairly tight, like fairly big size levels, but really tightly designed levels. And it just feels wonderful to play. And it's just, yeah, it's just a great little game. And, you know, I'm glad I've got to play it because I'd have been gutted if I'd have found out about that years later and never got round to playing it. But £35, uh, £36, I think it is, which is kind of a sticking point, I think, for a lot of people, having knowing what the bad press on that game was. But there's a lot of game in there. And if you finished all the Mario games and you're looking for a really good 3D platformer game, yeah, it's worth picking up. I went to have a quick go and just see, you know, I'll see how it controls. Obviously, we're promoting it for um, a competition, for a giveaway. And I just, yeah, I, like a couple of hours passed. And I was like, no, I've got to stop. I've got to go to bed. I just, like, it shows an example of a developer listening or understanding what the feedback is and then taking it and doing something with it. But yeah, it's just this really weird journey of a game to get to uh, what is now a Switch exclusive from an Xbox exclusive from a VR exclusive. Nice. Just this really weird journey, but I'm glad it's <laughs> I'm glad it's here. I'm glad it's seeing the light and it's they've, they've finally maybe got their vision out. And Lucky, I think, has enough personality as well that they could do more games based on his character as well moving forward. Next one may be a PlayStation exclusive and then an Android exclusive and then an iOS exclusive. I don't know, but they seem to like doing it that way. I'll wait for the Apple II release then, in that case. <laughs> um, any other games or is that a bit about it for you? Yeah, so Astral Chain, I've only just started playing. 
last night. I saw it on sale. I managed to get it for 28 quid, which is still a, quite a lot of money. But you know mm. what the, What releases are like on the Switch? Just, the prices practically never drop unless they're from an indie developer. Yeah. And yeah, really good so far. I only played the first sort of mission, but it's a, a 3D roaming uh, shooter slash beat em up. And it's by Platinum Games. So it's got a heavy combo system that is just starting to kick in. Graphically, absolutely beautiful. It's cell shaded, future cop style in anime kind of clothing, a bit like Dominion Tank Police, but a little bit sharper and less cutesy. And so far, yeah, really good. Uh, looking forward to sticking a load of time into that one. Uh, yeah, is it? Does it? It's platinum, isn't it? Astral Chain. Yeah, platinum games. Yeah, yeah. does it? Does it feel like a platinum game? Or yeah, def- feel- definitely so far. It's it. So far, it's much more simple, but that's only because I think I'm on the first mission. But yeah, I think it will develop in complexity as time goes on. So if someone had been gifted some vouchers or some credit to get some vouchers and they had a choice between Bayonetta 2 or Astral Chain as a platinum title, what would you suggest so far on playing Astral Chain? That's a tricky one. I've only... I only played a short amount of Bayonetta 2 and neither Bayonetta really clicked with me. I'm funny mm. with Platinum, like I will buy them sight unseen just because I, I kind of, <laughs> I like, I like what they do, even if I end up not liking that individual title. So I want to support them. But the Bayonetta ones really didn't click with me. Whereas like Vanquish is one of my games of all time. And so yeah. is Metal Gear Rising, which is massively underrated by, in my opinion. So but from a personal perspective, just because it looks different and plays different from their other stuff, I'd say go for Astral Chain, particularly as, you know, with it being a Switch exclusive, it's got that cachet as well. That's fair enough. Yeah, so that hypothetical person who has vouchers gifted to them might look at that one then. But it's on sale, so it doesn't worth getting it with the vouchers. But then I could wait for it not to be on sale, but then I've wasted waiting for that to go. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> We've got a we've got a question in from uh, our audience. If you want to have a go at answering that one, I know this 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 is a massive moment for us. I suppose I know, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, asking have our gaming habits changed since lockdown, and if we are playing more, do you have excess guilt about it? Now, it's an interesting question because I would often have guilt before this about playing games in a way that. If I decided to pick up something and play for an hour during the day when I know I've got a deadline approaching, but I'm okay on it, I'd feel guilty about not finishing all my work before doing it, but taking the break to play. Or if I wanted to play late at night um, because my partner's gone to bed, that oh God, I'm going to go to bed after her. I'm going to disturb her as I get into bed or I might wake the kids or something like that. You know, and I, I fear that. So I'd feel guilt there. Or if I wanted to play, uh, used to be when I used to play multiplayer with friends from forums and stuff like that, I'm taking TV time away. So there was guilt there. Whereas now I'm playing a lot more, but because my work's just completely dried up and I can concentrate on this, I'm picking up the Switch and I'm playing whatever for 10 minutes, half hour, an hour, even a couple of hours. And there's no guilt for me. I'm playing a lot more and the guilt's gone because I feel that, I've been given the justification to play more. And that's great. I don't care that I don't feel as productive. 
Well, yeah, and the World Health Organization said, you know, stay in, play video games, that's good enough for me. Mm. But yeah, I think it definitely depends on your private situation as well, like how your partner reacts to stuff. And my my wife um, loves games. Like, even if she doesn't play them all the time, she she loves their existence. She loves the fact that people get into them and enjoy them. She just likes people's habits and hobbies that make that bring them happiness you know so she's completely happy with me playing however much she plays um like mr driller quite a lot on the game boy advance my old game boy advance yeah. and she loves that love that guy That's yeah a guy. it is fantastic so my habits haven't changed a great deal uh pretty much not at all really um because when i when i would be going out to do stuff i'm going into like our yard at the back and doing work there. Um, some of it's an unnecessary time killer slash time filler and some of it des- was desperately needed. But instead of just sitting there and playing more games, I'm still trying to do the stuff that I did in a kind of twisted or altered form, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So it hasn't actually altered it that much, but I would say, yeah, if you if you're into games and you want an excuse to play more, now is the absolute perfect time. You shouldn't feel guilty. With my partner, it's um, she does that thing where she goes, oh, I can't stand video games. Uh, but she'll play whatever it is on her phone. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, you are playing video games. If you like it or not, you like them. You just don't like the style we play. But yeah, a lot of it comes from only having the one TV in in the in the in the flat you know we're like the like we're still living in the 80s we've got one family tv and that's about it and i think there'd be less guilt around playtime if we had a second tv mm. or another or a room where we could go like me and the, the kids could go and we could play and this tv still available for her to watch and, and things like that now the person who asked us the question i love he set up that he has at home and he showed off before because he plays and he's his partner plays uh they've kind of got in their living room this kind of setup with their sofa and then their tvs are at right angles to each other so they can sit on their sofa but face their own tv and play co-op games or play separate games at the same time awesome. and it is absolutely if i didn't have kids I'd be well up for doing that. Um, I, I'd be, yeah, that'd just be absolutely outstanding. Yeah, um, it's kind of one of those moments of, yeah, I'm jealous. I have like gutted. I have kids at times because that sounds great. My my wife, like I said, she she likes the whole game thing, but at the same time, she wouldn't want it that I just disappeared off to play games in a separate mm. room for hours and hours, and neither would I. So I've got a monitor. Uh, just a regular monitor that I have next to the sofa. Just just prop it up on the table and connect my consoles slash PC to that. And the TV's in the, the background by the wall where TVs always are, where all your f- furniture points at. And next to the sofa, right up close, is my monitor and it doesn't impede on her, but we can both do what we want. And that's a brilliant situation. If anyone, if you can afford it, like you can get monitors for practically nothing off eBay. Do it because it's a really good way of fitting in more gaming. Yeah, it's something I would be looking at if I could. I, I, I would 
go and try and look for a setup was to get like the cheapest 4k monitor i can get because if we've got we mean we've got a ps4 pro um so you want to kind of make use of it to a degree and with the new consoles coming they're all going to be 4k and everything eventually so ideally i'd like to get maybe i don't know i don't even know what size i'd need because you'll be sitting closer to it than you are the tv anyway um so i i I'm going to say, what, a 21-inch or something like that would be? I would honestly say, yeah, I I would recommend 21, and I would say don't even bother with 4K. At those sizes, it just, for me, just doesn't make any difference. I would go for 1440p max, but I would even go down. I, my use 1080p monitors, I use them at higher refresh rates. So, you know, I've got a 75 hertz one, but in the future I'll get 144 hertz. And it... To be honest, I I find that the sweet spot, and I believe I don't have the pro versions of the PS4 or the Xbox, but I believe you can choose to sacrifice frame rate for resolution. Yes. And I would always go for frame rate over over resolution. Um, so I would recommend going a cheaper 1080p monitor and just sticking everything on 60 60 frames per second if you can. That's a fair point. Stop make, giving me decisions to make. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm just to, dictating I'm, your life for you now. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm going to start camgelling again now to get the um, <laughs> to start start getting the uh, the prizes sent to me so I can get one. Too <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, no, thank you for that. That was a, that was a really good question. It's yeah, um, for me, obviously, Stu, not much change, but for me, more playing time and less guilt. So yeah, I hope that answers that question. Something that was suggested to me a couple of weeks ago, and due to circumstances, I didn't get to answer it. There was a discussion on our Discord server that then brought up the idea of gender identity. And not in the traditional way of someone, like someone feels like a woman stuck in a male's body. So, you know, they, they, they look at changing their sex and stuff like that, changing their gender. More, what is a gender normality? And where do you fit in that? And I look back at my life and realize a lot of my issues come from not identifying with any particular set group. Now, this isn't a coming out talk or anything like that. I've never sort of been fully laddish or anything like that. So I've never fit into that group. But I am a straight white male. I am fairly effeminate in a lot of areas but then quite masculine in others. Yet, with other parts of my life, I fit in neither of those. And it is really confusing to know where you fit. And looking at how gender is described these days, it is looking at, like, where do I actually fit? Because my sex is, I'm a man, I'm male. I don't feel like I'm female, so I don't identify it as a woman but I am male and that's what society's told me. That's how I feel. But I can't get in with a lot of the, the norms of what it is to be a man. A lot of my closest friends and my best friends are women. That's something that's always been, I, and I find it a lot easier to talk to women. But at the same time, I still have the sexual desires of a man. And, you know, it, I, I've been quite leery at times because, again, the age was brought up in, we knew, like, knowing no different. But I'm happy to say that at the same time that I, I've looked at women, whether it's strangers, whether it's people I know, and just gone, I really, really like you in that way. There is that. But yeah, not being able to identify 
100% with a particular gender, it's really confusing. Right. And I think a lot of that is, I don't know if you agree, but it's just a ridiculous construct. There's no, there's no reason why anyone should have to behave in any particular way. Like, what I was thinking was, say you go out with a friend and you meet somebody and that person you may find to be a really, you know, a great individual and you're like, oh, they're going to be a good friend. Uh, I want to be that person's friend. And then, you know, obviously you see them again and it's great. And another occasion you might meet somebody and you get on with them really well and you're really attracted to them and you pursue them and you might hook up or you might not. Now, whether person A was a man or a woman or person B was, what difference should that make? It shouldn't make any difference whatsoever. None of it should matter. And you'd get rid of so much of that concern, like you were saying about, yeah. you know, whether what you were doing was a manly thing to do or whether it was a feminine thing to do. It would just be, you'd be connecting with people on a, on a human level. Does that make sense? It does. Now, on the purely sexual side of things, I personally believe that we are all, every single one of us is pansexual. Either you try and deny it or you don't know it yet because you don't know whoever you meet, you don't know how you can be attracted to that person. It doesn't matter who they are, how they identify. And it just so happens, you know, the person I fell in love with is a woman. But I'm more than happy to admit I found men attractive. I found I've 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 known someone as well who is transgender and I got on really well with them. And they was a really attractive. And I know it shouldn't all just be about physical looks, but there's, you know, I've never been one to go, oh, no, what? That really doesn't matter to me. Now, I am more sexually attracted to women, but for example, you know, I can quite happily turn around and go, we've had the fun discussion, as people do. Well, if you had to have sex with a man, who would it be? And I just literally turn around without a breath and go, Chris Pratt. If we're going celebrities, it's Chris Pratt. There you go. Um, and People go, oh, how can you say that so quickly? And I said, well, because he's an attractive guy. He seems quite amusing, less so now because he seems to be a bit of a Jesus freak, and that's a bit disappointing. But it is, yeah. <laughs> from a purely sexual point of view, you look at him and go, he's funny. He's, you know, he's got this, um, this thing about him. And, he, you know, he's funny, he's confident, and he's a really attractive guy. So, yeah, I was quite happy to say that. And people go, oh, what? Yeah, of course my partner knows. I'm not saying that I'm going to actively pursue Chris Pratt and try it and whatever, but if the situation arose, yeah, why not? Doesn't bother me. So there's there's that. But, I mean, that's purely on the sexual side of things. The thing that gets me, and this is where I find my confusion, I'm part of a WhatsApp group for the football coaches, uh, my son's football team. and. There's a lot of laddish behaviour in there that makes me feel really uncomfortable. There's there's one particular guy who posts a lot of sexist jokes, um, xenophobic jokes, those kind of things. Stuff that was acceptable in the 80s, that kind of stuff. And, you know, in the 90s, it isn't acceptable now. But you, he's one of those that if you were to try and say something, it'd be over the top reacting, oh, you're trying to shut me down. It's just a joke. And I get that some people enjoy that laddish behaviour, and I don't. But I can't say anything. I can't say, can we halt that? 
Now, I should be able to, but I just can't because I know I'm very outnumbered in that. Um, you know, I got called, well, what was it? I got called a pansy by one of them because I wanted a fruit cider at an end of season party. Was he a time traveller from the 50s or something? I know. Right. It was a joke. Right. Don't get me wrong. It was a joke. And there are people who seem to then want to fit in those stereotypes of what gender is. And there's not enough people around that are openly happy to go, do you know what? Gender normality is not for me. And I don't fit into any of these gender stereotypes. You've got, we're still in a society, no matter how much we're progressing, where you've got to pigeonhole yourself. And even if you break free of that and you go for what I suppose people describe as the alternative lifestyles, you are still pigeonholing yourself into that alternative. So you can't just be all of it. You have to be something. And for someone like me who doesn't fit into any of it, it's scary. And that's why one of the reasons with my mental health, I think I lack so much confidence in any group and why I, I struggle to fit in any one group, it, whether we're out, whether it's on a, a social network or anything. It's, yeah, it's frustrating. And it's one of those things I don't, I know I can't be the only one who fits in all that. Um, who, sorry, who, who feels that? Yeah. And there's got to be others. Yeah. People are, are varied. The reason the the reason we don't all have like fifteen million friends who we're close to, Ooh. and we only have a, a small handful who we really genuinely trust, is because they tend to have that variety, and they they chime with us on that level. Because you won't accept somebody into your life who's going to be bigoted or exclude certain aspects of your character, because that's just not good for you. So yeah, no, I I agree with that. And one of the ways I think was described it, my partner, she's very, she's very okay with all stuff like that. She's, um, you know, we'll discuss quite a lot. We're quite open with each other, with things like that. And one of the best ways we described it is I can quite happily walk down the street, see someone and go, oh, look at that. And it's, and it is like almost those two, I don't want to say extremes, but those two polarizing things. You know, if you're looking at someone and go, oh, look at that then you've got to be laddish. But if you want to sit down and have a chat with that person at the same time, then that's you on the opposite end of that scale. But it's okay to be able to do both. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of really weird to be able to admit that at the same time. And yeah, it does. I don't know. I mean, I was brought up, in, uh, my mum was a single mum. My granddad died when I was early, so my name was around. So a lot of my main influences were female. Um, so there's lots of masculine things I don't know how to do properly. And if anyone's seen my videos, you might this might not be a shock, but I don't know how to shave properly <laughs> because no one's ever taught me. So I get what I've got to do, don't get me wrong, but I always feel like I make a hash out of shaving so I can't be arsed. So when you, when you look at me, you, no one's going to look at me and go, yeah, I can see why he's quite feminine because I, you know, I look like a bloody lumberjack who's just lost the will to live at times. <laughs> so, you know, on that side of it, I'm not, you know, you know, I get makeup and I've, I like the idea of like when, when women want makeup and why they do it. But then I accept that, you know, you go to feminism of, oh, no, I'm not 
wear makeup because it's just you know it's to make myself mm. attractive to men I, women aren't doing it for themselves and then the argument is they are doing it for themselves so i'm just kind of i kind of float above everything i don't want to do it like i'm some kind of guru and i i've seen the light uh, but when i say i float above everything it's not in a i'm better than everyone it's kind of in a i don't know where i fit i'm looking down and i just don't know where i fit in any of this um and the one person who made me almost confident to speak about it and even though it's taken me a couple of years to get to the point of to find the outlet to speak about it is robert webb who people obviously know from that mitchell and webb look um he's, he's now an author and peep show peep show mm-hmm. yeah mainly and he wrote a book about he struggles with gender identity um and gender normality and a lot of what he said rang true and when you and it kind of really struck with him because if you look at the character he plays specifically in Peep Show, and I know you should be able to differentiate the actor to the role, but when you look at the way he portrays Jez in Peep Show, and he nails that kind of he's not even masculine, but that laddish, you know, hey, you know, um, he's all about, you know, the ultimate goal is finding sexual gratification and stuff like that. Even though there's nuance to his character at the same time, but you see that, you know, there is lack of confidence or there's insecurities and things like that. And he's really well acted. But the overall Archie Fitness, he plays that really laddish type character compared to um, the other one. Mine's gone, what he's called in the program now. But the other one who's very serious, Mark, Mark sorry, yeah. And there's the ball and stuff like that. And again, the nuance isn't there, but you've got these two opposites. But then when you read his book, yeah, it's a really interesting read to know how he's actually felt and how he felt that you know, he, he was forced into having to be a boy and what it was to be a boy. And when he, you know, with his own children, he doesn't want that. And he, it echoes a lot of my thoughts <clears throat> with Lucas when he was younger. I did try and follow that usual stereotype was, no, you don't like playing with dolls. You will play with the more boyish things. And a lot of that, I think, was fear through, I don't want him to be bullied like I was through not being able to understand gender. As he's got older, I've relaxed that. I've relaxed that a hell of a lot in terms of what he wants to do. And to be honest, I just he's free and he, he, again, he's into sort of like playing Call of Duty and whatever on the Xbox and hockey and football and traditional boys' things. But if he turned around to me and went, Dad, I want to do ballet or Dad, I want to learn how to do makeup, you know what, fine. Not a problem with it. Whereas my daughter now, having learnt those lessons, apart from being some kind of feral animal that she is, uh, but she's got a complete mix and she can do what she wants. She plays football, but she plays, she'll push a pram around. And I, I've my only rules in place is I don't want her to have clothes that say, when I grow up, I want to be a pretty princess or whatever things like that are. Because the the way that says that this is a, the woman's role in life is to be pretty. No, it's not. The woman's role in life is to do what's best for that particular individual. So I try to avoid clothes and things like that that have that specific message. Yeah. I think the final thing to say on it really is that if you think about it, just letting people choose and do whatever they want is the easier thing to do than it is to gender stuff. So you have to think who benefits from gendering things and your mind just comes back to marketing, yeah. really. And, you know, it just makes it easier for 
the patriarchy. Not to get, I know people are going to start yeah. turning off whenever I start on one of my rants, <laughs> either about socialism or about the patriarchy. But yeah, I mean, if you can fit people into easily classifiable groups, it's much easier to manipulate them. So I agree with you yeah. that basically none of it should exist. No, no. And yeah, it's, it's the idea if we could all just be more open and more comfortable with everyone. Uh, not say that we shouldn't have our differences, because having our differences is what makes us great and makes us, you know, the best of humanity. But accept those differences. And I don't mean at the same time if someone starts giving you a load of far-right chat that you just have to accept that because you still need to challenge things. But in terms of what leads to, as you said, like suppose the capitalist nature of these pigeonholing ideas and categories, they need to be forgotten. But yeah, I'm not going to go, we don't want to go too political. But yeah, it's just one of those weird things that I've, over the past five years, I would say, that I've become a lot more comfortable with being able to admit that yeah, I'm a man, but I'm not a man at the same time. That's like, yeah, but yeah, no, but there's that. Yeah, excellent. So, obviously, to finish, just to cover a few bits on the site, if you haven't looked yet and you delve into our top menu on the site, you'll be able to see some film reviews um, that come from Ben. He'll be, he pops those in um, when he can, and he's, he's a really good writer. He's better than me. Jeez, he's got he's got a, he's got a really good style so give those a read <clears throat> you'll come across some bits maybe you haven't watched before and he does a good job of telling you that yeah do you know what they are worth watching there's gonna be now we had a run of a lot of games coming so there's a lot of game reviews coming in um but it's all slowing down so there's gonna be a few more articles some might cover stuff we've chatted on the podcast Others will delve into a few other things. If you want to contribute or you've got anything you want to write, let me know. Let us know via Twitter. Come onto our Discord, email us, anywhere, really. And if you want to write something because you want to get something off your chest or, you know, you've got something you want to get out there, we've got a space for you. It does. We're not going to say, right, you started writing for us, so you've got to write for us more. If it's a one-off thing you want to do, that's fine. If you want to review games only or you want somewhere just to get something off your chest regularly let us know we'll, we'll find that um the idea is to build this community and to normalize the discussion as we've tried doing before so yeah please whatever you feel you want to do ask us and we are there for you in whatever shape or form that is needed anything else to add to before i try and sign off not a great deal really only that yeah i think people should be staying safe and i'm sure they are but yeah, carry on staying safe. Stay, stay as mentally well as you can. It can be really difficult in these sorts of situations. But if, but you know, forgive yourself when you feel bad, and do whatever it is that's non-harmful to others that makes you feel better. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, usual Discord channel links are in descriptions and stuff. Patreon you can now support us directly on SoundCloud as well. But yeah, I've been Bradley. I've been joined by Stu. Stay safe and we'll see you again next time.